If you can dream it, you can do it. Generations upon generations before us have professed their longing for peace, worldwide peace. Philosophy and religions today echo the voices of our ancestors, calling for a time when everyone neath their vine and fig tree shall live in peace, unafraid, and there shall be war no more. And yet, generation after generation, our universal vision is shattered. Our peace tree, rooted in equity and justice, is viciously attacked and hacked by fellow human beings who see things very differently. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, to name the religions that most concern Americans these days, have given rise to expectations or to have given rise to expressions of violent, death-dealing fundamentalism. Our leading question today is, can religion address rising fundamentalism? How committed are we Unitarian Universalists to the dream of peace? As Unitarian Universalists, we often refer to ourselves as the people of the question. So let's turn the question around. Where are we as individuals, as a congregation, and as an association of congregations of a particular religious tradition? Where are we in today's lead question? Ponder it for a few moments. Can religion address rising fundamentalism? Where are you in today's question? Are you, are we, participants within the question? Are we observers outside of the question? Our position makes a difference. How shall we answer? Here's one thing for sure. Currently, we are all swimming in a soup of anxiety. We are in it thick and chunky. Hurricanes, massive flooding, severe drought, desert, desertification, all dramatic atmospheric changes that greatly diminish our air, water, and soil quality. Our soup of anxiety also contains worries about education, jobs, housing, food, health care, child care, parenting, aging, Alzheimer's, cancer, and more. Then there are the big anxiety chunks of mass shootings, church burnings, hate crimes, domestic violence, and on and on and on. You would think that humans have never, ever before existed in such turbulent, or as some would say it, evil times. It's no wonder that there are people who believe the world is coming to an end. 
And it should be no surprise that there are some people who want to hasten the end, just help it along and get it all over with. This is where religion enters the picture. From out of the primordial soup of planetary development, human beings became more and more self-aware. Religion and religious practices developed to address the deeply psychological, emotional, physical, and societal needs for living with pain and suffering and death. Elaborate rituals and story cycles became our touchstones to remind us of how we came through the dark, confusing, difficult times and emerged renewed and restored. From generation to generation, we passed on the same stories, the stories we could always count on to remind us, always remind us that there is hope, that we will surely survive, because our ancestors and our wise ones did so before us. We needed these stories sometimes more than we needed food. Then, the stories were set down in writing. New food for thought. And the writing became sacred. And the writing became truth. That's with a capital T. And that's where fundamentalism comes in. Because in times of great change, such as what we're experiencing now, in times of great change, some of us have a very hard time waiting for things to settle into some sort of new normal. In times of great change, humans are pushed to their limits of tolerance for shifts in ways of thinking, feeling, eating, loving. In other words, the mental picture of the world that we think we know so well is suddenly radically different. And while lots of people negotiate the new world, other folks are left behind, struggling to adapt to the changes. Or not. Some of the left behind refuse to accept that they are the ones left behind. Instead, they cling to their perfectly fine world. They enshrine it and isolate themselves with other believers and tell the stories they need to hear in order to remember what their one true world is. They enshrine this perfect human existence and point to the written truth in their sacred texts that proves that they really are the ones, the chosen ones, to stand up for truth and the right and perfect way of life. In fact, the chosen ones must fight against the enemies, the evil empire, and rid the world of all of the unbelievers so that true peace and purity of heart and action will prevail. In their view, the New World people are the ones who will be left behind. In their view, all of the horrors and atrocities in the world are the result of the radical changes, the moving away from all that is true. 
variations of this story exist throughout human history up to this present day. Your own position in the current story, your own personal worldview, determines how you perceive previous worlds. Do you accept the stories of human struggles and development as you were taught? As you consider this, notice at what point in your life you accepted the story as complete or as unnecessary to investigate further. Notice also any areas of our human story that you just don't think about much. Why might that be? Are there areas of our human story that you keep revisiting because you are unsatisfied with the versions of history available to us now, even with the Internet as a tool? And how has being part of this worshiping community challenged you to consider other stories of our shared human history? Have you been supported through times of great change? Change can be exciting and motivating. Change can be death-dealing. It depends upon our location in the story in the big question of how shall we live? What is our purpose? What does this all mean? If change is inevitable, and it is actually a constant process, what are we afraid of? We're afraid of pain and suffering. We are afraid, ultimately, of death, the sort of death that we are so fascinated with that we play with it at this time of the year. We are afraid of losing our identity, our relationships, our support systems, and everything that we cherish. We are afraid of becoming zombies or the walking dead. And you may well laugh. However, throughout human history, people have been conquered and enslaved. They have been wrested from their homes, their families, their language, their food, their music, and all that is sacred to them. They have been denied their entire way of life, their world, and forced to recant their ways, submit to the new ways, or die. Surviving the traumas of war, imprisonment, slavery, and the process of forced conversion creates a split within the conquered person such that it can virtually produce a zombie-like experience, existence. And all throughout this human history, people have found ways to survive and thrive. If we challenge ourselves to seek out these alternate stories and to listen, especially when it's very, very difficult, we are better able to change, to change our location in the big question of how shall we live 
that leads us to our dream of peace. We are, finally, thanks in part to the democratizing effect of the Internet and desktop publishing, finally hearing stories from voices that have been ignored for too long. These voices have always been present. Our human family is one really, really big family. And we've been treating whole parts of our family as the embarrassing uncle or inappropriate cousin who brings up an unwelcome topic at the Thanksgiving table. You're probably thinking about our indigenous people's family and our Asian people's family and our Latino people's family. You might also be thinking of our Christian family and our Jewish family and our Muslim family. All of their stories are inextricably interwoven in the fabric of our humanity. Their stories tell of pain and suffering and loss. Their stories tell of making a way out of no way. Dr. Maya Angelou wrote the Black Family Pledge as a ritual of remembrance of making that way. Here's an excerpt. Because we have forgotten our ancestors, our children no longer give us honor. Because we have lost the path our ancestors cleared, kneeling in perilous undergrowth, our children cannot find their way. Because we have banished the God of our ancestors, our children cannot pray. We have so much to learn from each other's stories. Dr. Maya Angelou's poetry and her presence reaches us and moves us from completely living in our heads to that open, tender place of vulnerability residing in our hearts. Dr. Angelou gives us still I rise. In it, she says, You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. We have so much to learn from each other's stories. If you can dream it, you can do it. This is the whole story for a whole humanity. What are we afraid of? Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room just like moons and like suns, with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I'll rise. Humanity is always on the rise. People survive great traumas of war, imprisonment, enslavement, and forced conversion. Given the stresses of change brought about by plate tectonics, the forces of nature, scientific discoveries and development, and human economic and political drives for supremacy, it is a wonder 
perhaps even a miracle, that fundamentalism hasn't brought about the end of the world for all humanity. And still we rise. In a 2004 edition of the radio show and podcast On Being, moderator Krista Tippett interviewed three former fundamentalists for the program entitled The Power of Fundamentalism. And we're talking about very active fundamentalists here. She interviewed Khalid Abu El-Fadl, a professor of law at UCLA who is originally from Egypt and is a Muslim. She also interviewed Richard J. Mao, the president of Fuller Theological Seminary, who grew up in a fundamentalist Christian home. Her third interviewee was Yossi Klein Halevi, a former Jewish extremist who grew up in a Holocaust survivor family and is a journalist, an author, and a contributing editor to the New Republic. Each of them tells compelling stories of their transformation from fundamentalist worldviews to their current views that take into account other versions of history, other equally valid stories of our very human experience. They each say that exposure to other people outside of their fundamentalist group, education, And listening to other people's stories helped bring about their ability to tolerate and then to accept a broader, more inclusive vision of humanity and of destiny, our human destiny. It is Mr. Halevi's summary remarks that I wish to share with you. Mr. Halevi says that he does not believe that there is a political solution to the conflict in the Middle East. He says there's too much accumulated rage and resentment and misunderstanding. He goes on to say, I don't believe that we're anywhere near a spiritual breakthrough either, although God doesn't need millions of people in order to affect change. Where spiritual process differs perhaps from the political reality is that it doesn't require masses of people in the same way that political change does. In fact, if you look at the history of religion, any religion, it's the story of a few eccentrics, a few obsessives, who take it upon themselves to make their lives examples of that vision which doesn't yet exist, and allow themselves to become almost entry points through which the divine presence can interact with humanity and change humanity. So the way to resist fundamentalism is not through anger and hatred, because they'll win. You cannot out-hate a fundamentalist. The only way to win against fundamentalism is by drawing on those divine qualities that we as human beings are called upon by every faith at its best to emulate. And those are the qualities of an open heart, of empathy, and of peace. Church. This is our calling as Unitarian Universalists. This is the essence of our saving faith. 
our challenge should we choose to accept it as individuals as congregations as citizens of the planet is to move beyond a position of outside observer and claim our participation in the question we are people of a religion that's why we're here Forrest Church said in his 2003 address to the General Assembly in Boston, As the negative print image of every form of fundamentalism, Unitarian Universalism offers to the world an alternative religious vision. Rather than rend, we sow. Rather than spend our lives dividing sheep from goats, we celebrate unity, twice in our very name. As for liberal, it means generous, flexible, and free. And yet, the saving power, the power of our good news, will make an impact only if we bring the same passion to our liberal faith, to our open-handed, open-hearted, open-minded faith, that others bring to theirs. I hear Dr. Angelo's voice. Out of the hut of history's shame I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise into a daybreak that's wondrously clear. I rise, bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise, I rise. Together. Let us sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. We are, all of us, part of the human family. Together we rise. We hold each other's hands and we hold each other up. We keep living the questions together. This is how we, as individuals and as a religion, address the fundamentalism of this chapter of our human story. We keep on keeping on. We keep walking the road of freedom toward justice, toward hope, toward equity, toward peace. Be not afraid. You are never alone. We are never alone. We are all in this dance of change together.